Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. We are going to have some fun this Christmas talking about my hero. And I want to kind of calibrate uh, each of you, especially if this is your first time in church in a long time. Let me just tell you how delighted I am that you're in church today. And, and even if you don't have plans to be in church for another 12 months, it's okay. But I want you to know something. We're going to talk about my hero today. And it's possible, if you don't know Jesus personally, it's possible one of the biggest reasons why you don't know Jesus personally is because someone told you a lie about him. And in the most simplistic and sweet way that I know how, I, I want to just serve some things up to you. I just want to set some things before you. And for those of us who've been walking with Jesus and, and given our lives to Jesus, let these things serve as sweet reminders of who our Jesus is. But make no mistake, if you came with family and you don't usually come to church, I want you to know you're the only person in this room that matters to me. If you're watching in your living room with family and they, they paid you to sit down and watch this, first, well done to them. <laughs> and second, I just want you to know, while I love the family that got you to watch this, you're the one I'm thinking about right now. You're the one. God is chasing after in love right now. And so I feel like I just have to tell you that at the very beginning as we start our Christmas message together. This year we titled the Christmas message, Who is with me? Who is with me? And we're going to cover four of the names given to Jesus. Now there are a lot of other names given to Jesus and, and these aren't nicknames. These are actual names, names he would go by. Here's the way I see his names. They're part of who he is. They're his character. They're part of his nature. They, they describe his nature is a better way to say it. You can take it to the bank. Okay? So let's answer the question together. Who is with me? And why are we asking that question? Because Jesus is quoted in Hebrews chapter 13, as saying, I will never leave you or forsake you. I think some of the most amazing words uttered in the Bible, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Then who is with me? First name we have to talk about, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. One of the most powerful words in all the earth is Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. God with us. Jesus, Emmanuel, was prophesied to be God with us. I'll read it to you in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, but it's a, a quote from a messianic prophecy in the Old Testament. But since this is in the Christmas story, we'll read it from Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. Now, hit the pause button. If, if you haven't been in church in a while, can I ask you a simple question? Would it get your attention if a virgin 
who had never done what needs to be done to get pregnant, got pregnant. Would that get your attention? Is it possible that one of the biggest reasons why it was prophesied Jesus would come from a virgin womb was simply to get your attention? Because that's pretty impressive. Supernatural. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, it's an amazing thing that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. But to really appreciate God with us, you have to understand what Jesus temporarily left behind to come to us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 tells us, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Jesus literally divested himself of his prestige and his privileges. I gotta be really careful with this illustration, but you'll understand why I'm I'm kind of using it to, to prove a really important point. There seems to be a phrase that's catching on culturally. And maybe you've heard it. I hadn't heard it until a while ago. And I, I didn't even know what it meant. And I had to get, get some understanding of what it meant. It's the phrase, hold my beer. Have you heard that phrase before? Okay. Apparently, here's what it means. I'm about to do something that is so impressive. This is my, my paraphrase. It's going to render you speechless. Okay. I personally think this is the dumbest phrase ever. Okay? But I think whoever started this stole it from Jesus. Jesus didn't say, hold my beer. He said something far more impressive than that. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 is telling us, here's what Jesus said. He saw the problem that you and I were in called sin. He saw the in- eternal impact it was going to have on me personally. And here's what he said, hold my crown. Hold my crown. I'll be back for it. Don't you worry about me. I will be back. But Preston's in trouble. And if I don't do something, he is eternally separated from my father. Hold my crown. (laughs) He's not just one who is with us. He is God, capital G, with us. Emmanuel. Isaiah 53. Oh, let me me just, this is one of my favorite one-liners in this message. Because some of you might be thinking, okay, he literally divested himself of the prestige of royalty and all of the benefits that come with it temporarily. Why would Jesus set aside all of that? Here is the answer. Jesus gave up his divine privileges for his father's divine obsession. You. 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 You set it all aside for you. You laid it all down. Left everything that came with seated, being seated at the right hand of the Father. He laid it down for you. For you. Laid all of that prestige aside to be Emmanuel, the God who is with you. 
In the book of Isaiah, scripture says that there was nothing inherently special about Jesus' look. In other words, there was nothing that, that really uh, physically drew people to him. Scripture would talk about David as being a very good-looking man, Saul, very good-looking. Scripture doesn't say that about Jesus, and yet there's never been a human who has ever walked the face of the earth. Now remember, Jesus, fully God, fully man. He was fully human, fully God. Nobody ever walked the face of the earth and garnered the attention Jesus did. So here's one of the billion-dollar questions. What is it that caused so many people to be captivated by Jesus? It wasn't his physical look. It was something much greater than that. And it has to do with one of the names he was prophetically given. Point number two, who is with you? The one who is most wonderful. Capital W, one of his names, wonderful. Let me read it to you. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, another messianic prophecy. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful. Notice there's a comma, and I don't read what's next because we just sang a song. And let me give you one of my Christmas pet peeves, okay? Wonderful counselor. It's one of my pet peeves. A wonderful counselor. Like he was some awesome psychologist. Hey, I got a guy. You got troubles emotionally? I got a guy. He's a wonderful counselor. Okay, that does not do our Jesus justice. His name is wonderful. The earliest translations of scripture all put a comma between wonderful and counselor. Why? Because he's not just some wise man who gave great counsel from time to time for three years on the earth. His name literally is wonderful. Now this word wonderful, what does it mean? Well, there are two ways really to see the, the word wonderful. One, literally meaning full of wonder or wonders. In other words, someone who does miraculous things. Okay, so we can all agree, those of us who are Christ followers, not only have we read the book and seen he has done miracles, in our own lives he has done miracles. But God, who is rich in mercy and grace, without Jesus, Lord only knows where I would be. I promise you I'd still be a lying manipulator without Jesus. But God, Jesus, I, I wonder, what is it when I say the name Jesus, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? If I were to sneak into the secret place where you spend your alone time with the Lord, and I just gazed at your countenance, would it look like someone who was stuck in drudgery? Or would it look like someone who is captivated by the one whose name is literally wonderful? Not just the one who does miracles. The, the other definition of the word wonderful is one who is extremely great. 
Let me give you my definition of wonderful. One who is indescribably great. Jesus was wonderful in his birth. Now think about it. His birth alone inspired awe and wonder. Mary and Joseph, when they were told in Luke chapter 2, they were in awe. How about the shepherds when they got the news that Jesus was born in Bethlehem? They freaked out. Awe and wonder. His birth was filled with wonder. His life was filled with wonder. His death was filled with wonder. His resurrection was wondrous. He did wondrous acts on the earth and he filled people with wonder by the working of his hands and the beauty of his life. One of my favorite shows on TV right now is The Chosen. If you haven't seen it, you should binge watch it between now and the end of the year. And one of the reasons it's become one of my favorite shows is the way they depict Jesus. He's wonderful. Like I cried through every episode. What Hallmark movies are for my wife, The Chosen has become for me. (laughs) Predictable, I've read the book. Like, I know how it's going to end. But the way they depict Jesus, I cry every episode because I just get so overwhelmed. This is what you're really like. You're too good to describe. You're indescribably great. There's a moment in one of the episodes where there's a leper, a person with a skin disease. And in those days, I mean, that you sent a leper outside of the city boundaries because it was, you didn't want it. And, and they're walking on a path and this leper is approaching Jesus and his disciples and, and the disciples can see Jesus is headed this leper's way. And so the, the disciples say, no, 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 no. And Jesus just goes, my paraphrase, shut your mouths. We're in a moment right here, me and this guy. And he literally goes up to the man with leprosy and hugs him like the biggest no-no. And I just cried, Why? Because everyone else was keeping a distance. And Jesus, Emmanuel, said, I didn't come here to keep my distance from him. I came to embrace him. And some might be running from Jesus right now. Because someone told you a lie. He's the God who came to spank you. That's a lie. He's the God who came to embrace you. He's the God came to save you. Dr. David G. House writes, Jesus is the seed of woman, yet the son of God. He's the child of a day, yet the monarch of eternity. He is a newborn of a span's length, yet he is king of all the ages. Omnipotence in a little baby's hand, omnipresence in a little baby's feet, omniscience in a little baby's eye, the voice of Jehovah and a little baby's cry. Our Jesus is so very wonderful. This brings us to the third name and one of the reasons he is so wonderful. He's the savior. It's one of his names. The Hebrew word is rescuer. Luke chapter 2 tells us this very thing. This is what the angel says to the shepherds that night. 
Luke 2, verse 9, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among the shepherds. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. It was a holy moment. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Not just good people. Not just people trying to do their best. This good news is for all people. Here's the good news. The Savior Yes, the Messiah, which means anointed one. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. One of my concerns about the narrative around Jesus, which I wholeheartedly believe Satan has conscripted and is perpetuating, the narrative is this. Jesus is the God who came, all right, but he's not the God who came to save. He is the God who came to spank. He's the God who came to punish. He's the angry God, not the loving God. Okay, let me just burst that false narrative. Jesus came to this earth, born of a virgin, as a human, so that he could die in your place. Jesus himself went on record saying, greater love hath no man than to lay his life down for his friend. Whether you want to admit it or not, Jesus died for you. And you may not feel worth it. I didn't and truly don't. But the older I get, the more of a revelation I get of how he feels about me. When you hear that Jesus is Savior, in fact, maybe you've heard the phrase, is Jesus Lord and Savior of your life? I'm not even sure the church has always done a great job of explaining what this means. What does it mean that Jesus is Savior? What did he come to save us from? Two really big things I just want to set before you. First, Jesus came to save me and you from the eternal effects of sin. What is the single greatest effect or consequence sin brought into the world? Here's the answer. Eternal separation from God. Do you want to know why Jesus looked in your direction? Because the plan from the very beginning, the plan wasn't once sin came into the picture. This was the plan from the beginning, that Jesus would be sent by the Father to die for us, to save us from the effects of our sin and from eternal separation from the Father. Get the picture. The reason Jesus said, hold my crown, I believe is because he was looking into the eyes of his father. His father was looking at you. And Jesus, fully aware of the truth, being the truth, he knew. If I don't do something as the perfect one in Preston's place, he and my father cannot spend forever together. And so I must go. Hold my crown. Hold it right now. I'm going to lay my life down for him. Because I cannot bear the thought of Preston and my father being separated forever. Jesus didn't just come to save us from hell. The worst part about hell, in my opinion, is the absence of the love of the father. The greatest love that will ever be. Jesus came to save you from being separated from the only perfect love that will ever exist. 
I don't care what you've been told. If a smile doesn't come to your face when you think or hear the name Jesus, or you hear the phrase, the love of the Father, somebody has lied to you. Here's how great his love is. Here's how wonderful he is. We will spend eternity studying him and loving him, and we will never come to the end of who he is. He's just that great, and he came to save you and me. Jesus was and is the reconciler. And in reconciliation, that which has been broken comes together. In the garden that day, when Adam and Eve sinned, it immediately created a separation relationally between man and God. And Jesus, being the wonderfully perfect one, came not just to close the gap, but to do away completely with the separation forever and ever. Amen. So if the good news is so good, because remember, when this news was first spoken of, it was called good news, which would bring great joy. Think of the lost people who don't know Jesus yet in your life. When they hear the name Jesus, does it bring great joy? I wonder if one of the biggest reasons why the name Jesus doesn't bring more joy is as Christ followers, we're not doing what we need to be doing to look more like Jesus so that the love of Jesus goes to the ends of the earth in such a way that when people hear the name Jesus, it just lights up a smile on their face. It hits them in the deepest of places. What is the good news? At its core, here is the most simple explanation of the good news. The God who saves came to save us. He came for us. I have really, really good news. He left for a while. The Bible says he's getting everything ready. And when it's ready, he will come again. Emmanuel, the one who's most wonderful, the God who saves. Joseph Bailey wrote a wonderful poem about the meaning of Christmas. It goes like this, praise God for Christmas. Praise him for the incarnation, for the word made flesh. I will not sing of shepherds watching flocks on frosty nights or angel choristers. I will not sing of a stable bear in Bethlehem or lowing oxen, wise men trailing star with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Tonight, I will sing praise to the father who stood on heaven's threshold and said farewell to his son as he stepped across the stars to Bethlehem and Jerusalem. And I will sing praise to the infinite eternal son who became most finite, a baby who would one day be executed for my crime. Praise him in the heavens. Praise him in the stable. Praise him in my heart. He is the God who came to save. That brings us to the very last name I want to bring to your attention. 
I wouldn't necessarily say this is a name. The passages we've read so far are messianic prophecies about Jesus, but the verse that I'll read next to you is actually the words of Jesus. Something he says of himself, and it's not so much a name as it is a title. And here it is. Who is with you? Who is with me? The brightest light of the world. He is the light, capital L, of the whole world. But if you're going to appreciate the light, you first have to understand the dread that comes with darkness. I know it's probable that the dark doesn't scare you the way that it used to when you were a child. But our ancestors, long, long ago, without electricity, not always having fire, knew that the scariest environment imaginable was found in the darkness. The 10 plagues in Egypt in biblical times, interestingly enough, plague number nine was the darkness. A darkness so dark that God said, people will feel this darkness. Also, interestingly enough, all of Egypt had utter heavy darkness. But the Israelites all had light in their home. Plague number 10 was the death of the firstborn, which the people of God were rescued from because of the blood of the lamb. I find it fascinating that the people of God were rescued from plague number nine by the light. The light of the world. Jesus himself, in John chapter eight, verse 12 said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I remember years ago, on September the 11th, when the planes hit the tower, the first of the two towers. And I remember feeling what many of you probably felt when it dawned on me and us. Someone did this on purpose. Thousands of people killed, and someone did it on purpose. And I remember thinking, this is the most evil thing I have seen in my lifetime so far. <laughs> 
how dark, how fallen must the world be when someone seeks to take out thousands of humans created in the image of God. One of my favorite moments in the creation story in scripture is when God separated the darkness from the light. Jesus, the savior of the world, came into the darkest place he could find. A world filled with fallen humanity. And Jesus, with his own life, said, Let there be light. Preston, I'm coming into the darkest places of your life. Things you've hid, not just from me, you've hidden them from your family, your friends. I am the light of the world. And I didn't come to expose you. I came to cover you with my blood. So you must not be afraid of the light. And Jesus lived for 33 years on this earth fully God, fully man, as the light of the world. And he still is. You may not act like the darkness is one of the scariest places in your life, but I assure you, I already know that it is. And here's how I know. Because in your home, every room in your home has access to light. The world, once sin entered the picture, became a place of darkness. But the plan was never that Jesus would be the only light. Galatians 2, 20. Christ lives in me. Oh, that what's happening right now would be a prophetic picture of our church, the church in the day in which we live. That Christ in us, the hope of glory, would shine so bright that everyone in our lives, no matter how dark a situation they were going through, would be lit up with the light of the world. As light fills this place, let's take a moment and let's worship the light of the world, the God who came to save us.
Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.